0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the Crypto Hipster, where I interview founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, artists, uh, you name it, across the world of crypto and blockchain all around the world. And I always bring you amazing guests. And today's no different. I have another amazing guest. He's a repeat guest. I interviewed him over 14, 15 months ago. His name is Stefan Rust. He is the founder of trueflation uh stefan welcome
1: no thank you for having me back and i love to continue to love what you're doing and love to love to support what you're doing and you know i really think it's so important to highlight entrepreneurs and game changers or initiatives and you know people with energy and passion to try and change any field that they're in right to me that's so important and I love what you're doing, the patience, the tenacity that you have to continue to try and find new people, new engaged startups, entrepreneurs, um, technologies, and keeping abreast with that. I mean, that's that's definitely really good what you're doing. And thanks for having me back. Glad to be here.
0: You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. So let's kick off.
1: You know, um, since our,
0: since we last spoke last year, um, I want to find well, first of all, what is your background? And then is it a logical background for what you're doing? And what have been the latest updates in the past year and a quarter for you?
1: Yeah, look, my background is—I mean, you know, I—I—I—I I, I, I studied, you know, economics. So from that perspective, I guess I'm—I'm I'm, I'm in the right field um, where I ended up. But i, I was—I always had a passion for technology, and I studied coding, uh, Cobalt at the time. Uh, so I did understand software. Um, I wrote white papers on object-oriented design. Uh, so to, got to really understand the architecture of software and how software worked and really bet on the future. And, and I've always been a bit ahead of the time. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that is a logical background to where I am as an entrepreneur. You're always a bit ahead of the curve. You're always trying to lead um, and find opportunities. And I always say it, right? It's very simple, right? It's um, As a startup... You want to get distribution before the incumbents get innovation. And so that's the race, right? It's really a space uh, about time, right? It's like, I have a window to bring my invent, invent invention to market or my innovation to market before the people that have the market distribution actually get the innovation that you're working on. And so that's that's the race. And um, yeah, that's that's sort of where I'm at, and we've launched Trueflation.com. So Truflation is really about bringing to market new innovation in real time as it relates to financial and economic data. So how do I bring that to market and get distribution faster in new systems that are looking for this data? And so that's really uh, where we're trying to really work on the blockchain and get the distribution really fast as more and more of the traditional world starts migrating onto the blockchain, how do we get it out into the blockchain faster so that it's available and visible um, than, than anybody else? And that's really what we're doing right now. And we've been on that path in doing so. We've launched our TSN, Truflation Stream Network. Um, and that is basically um, providing, we'll be able to provide on a decentralized basis to um individuals um the ability to access um definitive reference po- reference point it'll act as a definitive reference point for people seeking rwa pricing
0: real, real world asset pricing
1: real world asset pricing sorry yes so we we track a lot of housing market you know labor pricing um uh commodities, agriculture, energy, utilities, all of these prices we aggregate together to calculate what is CPI, not only today, but what could it look like into the future? And how do we begin to predict where inflation could be going based on some of the historical data that we have, as well as some of the economic indicators that are showing and showing and highlighting you know elements that are going to in this scenario it could go that way that scenario could go that way and and these other scenarios so ultimately we have the ability to predict a positive medium and negative outcome and and what that looks like and so that's really what we're building out right now through a decentralized fashion and making that available to um, for free on the one hand, but the more detail you want, the more features you want ultimately, and the more interaction you want, the more you're going to have to support the trueflation stream network to be able to do so. Interesting. Stream network. Okay. So
0: when I think of inflation and I think of crypto, right? Yep. we, we- we had an announcement by one of the presidential nominees or, or in this country this this year, Donald Trump, who was former president. He said, "We will never, ever, ever have a CBDC in the United States." Yeah. Every- yeah. working on that, right? One of the benefits it, I would think would be the ability to capture real current time inflation, right? But how how would you how does your platform differ in what you how you, how you capture it versus what how a CBDC would capture it?
1: So I don't know. I mean, in, in essence you you can track immediately how much money you have in circulation and what the velocity of that money is, right? So you'd be able to track that and that's one thing that a CBDC should be able to track, right? Whether it's actually decentralized or not doesn't really matter. I think the fear is that because money is the currency that we use to interact with each other and allocate resources and 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 Price resources, right? That's human labor. That's uh, that's commodities. It's all priced based on money, which is 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 the currency that, in terms of how we current, how we trade it, and because it's so important, if it's now in the power of a government that can at any point in time shut down that money at the moment no but once i've got a bill in my hand it's a tender that i can use and i can i can purchase a product or a service with that tender if it's cbdc and it's controlled not only do i have a private key to that money but maybe the government has a private key to that money and you need both cons- both keys to be consent to have consensus in order for me to trade that money with you for example at it, by default, it may be positive, but because Stefan was a bad actor the other day, he had too many diet cokes, or I don't know, you know, was, was driving in his gas car. He had a Humvee versus having a an EV car. We have to slash his allowance, and so boom, they say put it, switch it to zero, and so all of a sudden, I cannot interact with that money anymore. The hard earned money that I had, somebody else is deciding how I spend it, and if you look at government's his- history. You know, there is always somebody that comes to power that is power hungry and wants to abuse that system. And they may abuse it in a direction that they want it to go. Sure, intentionally, we have it good. It's good for the benefit. We can offer UBI. We can distribute money straight to anybody's wallet, um, et cetera. But you have the reverse side where I can shut it down. I can disenfranchise certain parts of the population versus others, even though the biggest contributors. Are actually the most valuable assets to a society or an economy. You may argue, right? And how do you find that? And that's where CBDCs become very contentious, right? I mean, there's a lot of contentious around contention around a CBDC, and I mean, I'm 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 very much against it, but um, I'm trying to play, you know, sort of uh, a, a, you know where and what are the added adva- advantages of it. To me, inflation is very, in simplest terms, money printed in the market, in circulation, versus demand for goods and services. I want to have just a little more of money in supply than the demand for goods and services are, are active because if I have a little more, then there will be a little inflation. So people will hike their prices a little bit, a little bit to meet that excess supply of money. And that's really what it is. But if you shut down supply of goods and services and you print a lot more money, you're going to get inflation. If you raise a lot of the goods and supply, you're going to get deflation, right? And so that, that, that that's the dance that, that that is taking place, right?
0: Thank you. I learned something new every day. That was a good economics lesson for me. Thank you. Um decentralized <laughs> data streaming is a, sounds like a good option. Um let me find out for you. Uh what what Trueflation is all about. You mentioned, you know, decentralized data streaming, which sounds really a good idea. Uh and what should we be excited about in the upcoming months about what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm super excited about the ability to Two things. One is to open up our data um, so that anybody can access it through these TSNs. Number two is to enable a lot of data aggregators to create their own stream network and enable that stream network to interact with the Truflation stream network. So we are bringing financial and economic data onto the stream network. We have our own stream network. um, And let's say somebody is aggregating weather data. Ooh, I want to build my own weather data stream network and it'll just have weather data in there. And so, oh, I want to bring, you know, sort of my Rolex watch collection. And I think that deserves its own stream network, right? So anybody can create their own stream network, aggregate pricing data associated with their stream network and have those interact with each other so that anybody consuming the data can then mix and match. I'm gonna pull it from I'm gonna pull in weather data plus the price of, of, of coffee and, and 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 the cost of a Rolex, and I'm gonna build some sort of index associated with that. And then I can use all of that data that's been verified, comes from each of the individual stream networks to then build out structured products associated with that index. That index gives me a benchmark, and now I can build financial structured products associated with that based on people's risk appetite. And so that to me, or hedging needs or et cetera, right? I had just today, this morning, the reason why I'm dressed up so smart in a collared shirt, usually I'm in a t-shirt, was we had a meeting with a big commodities trader and they're a multifamily office. They have multiple businesses that require different assets and different commodities how do they hedge themselves how do they trade that and they were looking for products that i've never heard of but i have to learn because i need to build a solution around this or work with a company that will build a solution around this snowballs um, um grab these are all financially structured products that have a nice name that means something and then you know how do you interpret that how do you find people that build snowball structured products associated with the indexes that you're providing
0: and those you mentioned rolexes right so they don't have yeah. to be rolexes
1: it could be nikes it could be yeah anything. sure anything I mean, look at the the, huge collectibles in Nikes and shoes, unique, unique sports shoes, right? So huge collectible market. How do I share the pricing data associated with that? How do I have it independently verified? How do I ensure that there's a quality standard in there? So the TSN enables to have consensus associated with a price, associated with a product, and and, and ultimately to thereby verify that price and then write that to the permaweb In an encryption form, encrypted form, so that when people want to access it, they need a key to be able to decrypt that and then read the underlying data or just the index itself.
0: And you believe this structure and makes sense to me. uh, It would helps to create sustainability of making business decisions.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the idea. Where you know, today, uh, people that make business decisions. Based on economic data, need a Bloomberg terminal. And that Bloomberg terminal has curated content from a select set of editor editors that are paid for by Bloomberg. They decide what goes into the Bloomberg terminal, and then it's only visible to people that understand how to use the funky Bloomberg keyboard and who are on are willing to pay from anywhere from two to tw- two thousand dollars a month to twenty thousand dollars a month. How do we democratize that? commercialization of data and then distribute the ability to you know democratize the editorial associated with how the data gets compiled and structured and delivered right makes sense um, and, and we've decided to build out a front end called truflation.com so if you go to the website you can see some of the per, you know the visualizations that we chose to create um off the TSN right and so that's we're taking the data from there, um, and then we're presenting it in in that form and fashion. There's definitely improvements we can do, but that's what we've started doing. And maybe somebody else will want to build their own um, expression of of how to use that data. Awesome. So,
0: I want to talk about crypto. Yeah. I've, no- I've noticed a funky thing that I—I I mean, funky. it's funky to me. Yeah. My- everybody else i value crypto projects and crypto um you know companies based on the value that they bring to solve real world problems yep. and those projects happen to have prices that are depressed right now while gaming and gambling not gaming but gambling tokens you know meme coins all that have gained tremendous value and they don't do anything Right so I want to find out your thoughts on the future of blockchain tied to real world assets as opposed to just hype.
1: Um a couple of things there one is there is a very big legacy industry associated with real world assets right there's a lot of setup processes a lot of bureaucracy as well as a lot of regulation associated with the operations of real-world assets in the legacy world. The downside is those systems have been put into place um, over a hundred years ago, if not thousands of years ago, and they've evolved over time and they are where they are today. And I think what, what the big challenge that we have on the blockchain is we're bringing about systemic change to a lot of these legacy industries. And it's a systemic change, which means, again, it comes back to the argument before that, you know, the systemic change is so big and so great that the incumbents are very reluctant and are aware of the cost needed for them to change their processes to meet this new system or they're resistant to this new system. And so that's that's a large portion of the, the hurdles that the blockchain industry has for real-world assets. And the biggest hurdle as a result out of that is regulatory, right? I, I think that this industry would move a lot faster if it were allowed to, to grow, break, fall down, stand up again, learn from what it fell down on, and then rebuild and, and focus again, right? I do think that that... And that's how this industry has evolved so fast. The advantage that blockchain has had is it's been very self-contained and it's fallen down. It fell down with Mt. Gox. It fell down after the ICO boom. It fell down during COVID, right? It, it fell down with FTX. It fell down after the regulators, the choke point 2.0, right? So that whole choke point out of one, right? So all of those elements, but it's still standing, It still has momentum. It is still bigger than it ever was, or not quite, but very soon it will be bigger than it ever was. And it's not going to stop. And so in the real world asset space, in order to innovate faster and to get the distribution associated with it, my view is we need synthetic assets and the synthetic creation of real world assets. So i don't need to take a physical building and figure out how to tokenize it get the land deed rights and get all the elements of there no let me just take a price reference for that building break it down to the square foot and then price that square foot for that building at a dollar route and create a collateral in the form of a digital asset in the form of stocks in the form of bonds whatever it might be but I have some sort of collateral that matches the value of people that may want to buy into that piece of property but I can't afford the whole house I just want to buy a fractional of it and I want to ride the wave of the value of that property or of that piece of art or that commodity or that you know a barrel of oil or whatever it is. And so all of a sudden, everybody can participate in the growth of that value of that building. If that building goes up, uh, everybody that's participated in buying a token associated with that will also appreciate. And that is how it's tied to a real world asset. Can I tomorrow convert that synthetic token to... That house, if I have enough to buy the whole house, not really. But what you can do is convert it into U.S. dollars or into U.S. stable coins and then go and purchase that house with that stable coins because it appreciated in value in the tokens that you've had. Right. So there's a transaction that needs to happen in order to make that possible. But that's how the whole world works today anyway. Nobody has a physical asset anymore. I have a piece of paper that verifies that I own that piece of property. And all I'm doing is trading that piece of paper. And it's registered that it goes from the cross out one name and put it to another name. Instead of crossing out to a name, tie it to a wallet address and another wallet address. And boom, that's the exchange. And that's then verifiable on a ledger. It doesn't need to be a centralized ledger in some building where I need wet ink to be able to, and then have it notarized. Instead, it's on a ledger on the blockchain where everybody can see that trade and that exchange. And so those are things that these new systems are bringing about. And there is a big reluctance by the incumbents, naturally so, and by the regulators who are funded by the incumbents through lobbying dollars to drive any kind of change. Um, and 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 that's that's I think what the reluctance has been for the adoption for you know real world assets gaming they go where the money is and it's just such a fast flow where there's opportunity I will go and monetize that meme coins um, art that's much faster movable and nobody it's not as tightly regulated it, it's 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 you know it's 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 not as big an industry as well either yet. Um, that may change, but if you look at the derivatives industry, the financial services market, the real estate market, right where real world commodities business, you know, commodities, fifteen banks make a hundred billion dollars in profit from just trading commodities. I mean, that to me is just that just shows how big is at risk for these entities to even open up a little sliver of change. If that opens up. You can just see the dam will break and then automatically everything will flood into the the blockchain world where these new systems will enable much faster transaction speeds and at a lot lower cost because there are a lot less toll takers in the middle. You know, the European government is so scared about this. They're there, they're putting in and enforcing toll takers in the middle of a peer to peer transaction. I mean, it's like, hello, what we, we were just trying to get rid of them and all they and what's the value add? They do nothing, but they take a shitload of money off that transaction and making the transaction cost higher. And the whole point is to bring down the costs and leverage systems to democratize access and make sure that everybody can do a transaction.
0: Yeah, I, I noticed that, too. I noticed the middleman. I'm like a, a weekly news show. Notice in Europe, coming out of Europe, is they're putting, trying to put intermediaries inside of it. it. Doesn't make sense.
1: It doesn't uh, make sense, right? I mean, it's really, it's, it's like, and they're so proud of it, right? They'll pat themselves on the back. Look what we did. Yeah, we're great. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but anyway, I mean, yeah. That, that, but those are the challenges that I think every entrepreneur has. And my view is that if you can. Foster those challenges and if you can and, and, and find ways out to incentivize more entrepreneurs to tackle more of these changes, you'll drive more growth and you'll drive more job creations. You'll drive more revenue, which will drive more income, which will drive more tax rep benefits to the government, which will then pay off some of its debt that these governments have been accumulating to an extent that it's no longer affordable, right?
0: Oh, I was going to ask you, let's say, let's assume you talk about systemic change and you said if the dam breaks, right? Say the dam breaks, right? And there are tremendous societal benefits that society doesn't really know about yet. Of democratizing access to data, what are some of those benefits
1: um, for society at large? Yeah, I mean, a huge benefits that all of a sudden, you know, I, I, today, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in, um, in in energy, right? Okay, I I like I think energy is really important to us. It helps further society. It, it allows for society to grow. The more energy it can access, but I don't really like coal, right? I want to buy into uranium. I think nuclear power plants are really important. For example, right. I want to buy uranium. I really believe in that future and that finite resource. And I want to partake in that and and sort of see how can I do that today? You can't. The only way as an accredited investor, you're allowed and a permissioned basis. You're allowed to buy a ETF associated with uranium. That ETF is URA, and it's gone up 50% last year. So why? Because the whole world has realized that nuclear is actually an energy-friendly source of energy. And China has just announced that they're going to build out 30 new nuclear power plants, right? So all of a sudden, how do you feed those power plants? They need uranium. So as a speculative asset, all of a sudden, a real-world commodity has become extremely valuable. How do I participate in that? I want to get direct access to that, not the companies, but the raw commodity. And so to me, that's where the democratization of access to that, the intelligence and making that available to everybody will distribute wealth from the 15 banks that are accessing and trading commodities, earning 100 billion a year, just trading it, can be distributed to multiple, many more people. And that to me is, is the importance of democratization, and that's going to create more wealth overall. And you can do that not only in commodities, that happens across everything. You're contributing data to a system, to a deflation stream network. You're tagging pricing. You should be rewarded for contributing to that network. If you're contributing towards it, then how do you get rewarded for that? Again, another form of a job, right? I mean, it's another task that you're adding to an ecosystem and participating in an ecosystem, and that's in all factors around that. I mean, we, you know, people call it slave labor or whatever. No, it's not. It's really you're sharing your data and you're making that data available and you're earning from that. And that's another source of income. And I think the big governments are really worried about how do I tax that? Because it's in micro elements. I mean, it's just really about tax income. That's all they care about. And so um, what we're trying to do is create many more jobs. And the jobs today, Are very different than the jobs were 10 years ago today you have a growth hacker you have you know have a discord community manager you have a telegram community manager you have five different community managers right you have have, i mean yeah so all of a sudden the jobs are very different i have a copywriter i have a technical writer i have a you know sort of you have all these different jobs that you never had before that all of a sudden are new creations that are generating new value add. Are new forms of 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 media and new forms of engagement. Look at what you're doing. You're you're running your, your 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 hipster channel. You've got your community. You're managing that right. And so you've done this through your own means and your own outreach, and that's brilliant, right? I mean, that's that's the beauty of. This democratization of all these tools, right? It's an iPhone. It's no longer a big, you know, beta SP Fuji Cam blah that costs you 20 million dollars to set up a studio. You can actually do these things from within your reach, right? And within your affordability, right? And and that's what I think people are really scared of, that change. And they won't, they can't control that change because it's taking on a nature of its own.
0: It sure is, <laughs> it sure is. Um, a lot of yeah, the jobs are definitely different. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. It's it's harder to keep up and um, especially with AI and everything. But I want to find out, you know, uh, because I've always seen I've always seen this as a, like an area where I didn't understand the Bitcoin perspective, and I want to get into Bitcoin. Yep. Um, you know, and then somebody explained it the other day, and they said. They like Bitcoin because of the centralization and people have been calling Bitcoin DeFi, DeFi. and I'm like, Bitcoin's not DeFi. Um, it's in the hands of a few as opposed yeah. to, to, but the infrastructure, the infrastructure they were saying is completely decentralized, yeah. which makes decentralized finance. And you talked about, you know, the, the ETF and that's been a role recently. How do you see, you know, decentralization as a, as a definition and, and why is it important?
1: Yeah, I mean, the infrastructure itself is and to me the reason why you know decentralization is important is nobody should be able to um adulterate the data that's that's included. Nobody should be, you know, there are elements that really is sort of immutability, right? Once it's written to the blockchain and the infrastructure, it's immutable. Why? Because multiple people are maintaining the accuracy of that data. Number two, consensus. Do we all agree that that is good data? Yes, we all agree. We all head nod and we acknowledge it, boom, it's written to the blockchain. Do we all agree your wallet has $500 in it? Yes, we all agree. Great. Can we do we all agree that you want to send five dollars to me? Yes, we all agree. Okay, at deduct it from your wallet, add it to my wallet and make sure that that happens, right? Yes, okay, we will all take that action and we will log it in the database and it'll be immutable for everybody to see, right? And so those are elements that are really important to society. For me, inflation is such an important metric, you know, to the extent where, you know, um, You know, governments will go to the extent that if they don't like it, they will try to change the narrative. Right. Look at what we did around the word recession. Right. Two quarters of successive negative growth means recession. That's been in the history books for how long? But no, 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 no. We have to try and change the word of recession and and define it and get some federal body to tell us that it's different. Oh we don't like the fact that we've got 20% plus unemployment in the youth category china just doesn't report it anymore right so it turkey it's banned to report inflation you're not allowed to report inflation right and oh and if we don't like the numbers we go back and change the numbers so we'll report the numbers today, but oh, no, no, we'll go back and change it. So we can add a nicer number today, but we go back historically up to six months and we'll change the numbers. And that's what we do in the US, right? Um, and so all of these elements are there. And so to me, making sure everybody can contribute data to this, making sure it's censorship resistant in China, in, in the Europe and in, in, the, in Canada, you actually are running the risk of being censored. You know, in Canada, Canadians have actually, if you have more than 50,000 followers on your YouTube, you have to have a censorship bureau in your office to make sure that you're taking all illicit, bad misinformation down. You know, so you're not allowed to have a voice. In Europe, Mika, they've come up with this new, no, not Mika, it's a DSA, Digital Safety Act or something, right? Misinformation is bad, right? So it's like, so all of these things they're trying to, and that's just around... Audio, right? That's just audio, visual, social media. That's media content. Now, imagine it's around economic data. And inflation is such an important economic data because $4.4 trillion worth of loans from governments are tied to this metric called inflation. Inflation today is managed by the same people that issue the bond and get the money. They do the tracking of the performance of the government of the economy, and they write the methodology on how to track the performance of an economy. So the same people giving, asking you to give them money will get, tell you how much they pay back, how they're performing, and, and what the interest rate should be. So that's if that is the case, and all of a sudden somebody else is coming along and saying, inflation's not that much, it's actually this much. Oh, no, 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 no! it can't be, can't be, right? It's like, and then all of a sudden, shut you down, right? You're censored, right? We'll we'll comment. But if it's decentralized, how do you shut that down? And Bitcoin's the same infrastructure. You can't shut down the Bitcoin engine. It's too many node operators and miners that are securing the accuracy of the network, as well as miners who are minting the new chain at a cadence um, to verify network as well so all of those elements are so important in decentralization centralized power is corrupt no matter what you do how big you get at some point somebody's going to come along and then abuse that power and so i think satoshi realized the importance of decentralizing that power and started off with a bitcoin infrastructure that instigated and from a zero piece of white paper is now a 1.7 trillion dollar industry so that's come a long way um in the span of what 10 12 15 years yep it has
0: so um i use bitcoin as a segue because last yep. year when the the subject of, of our conversation was how a strong developer community and deflationary tokenomics will enable ethereum to flip in bitcoin in the- <laughs> right um how's that changed i mean it has to have had changed right are you still are you still hold that belief um and, yep. and it's possible that ethereum could be the one who gets flippin' by maybe like an injective or an so, so yeah
1: injective yeah yeah no i mean um a uh, choice is great. Competition is brilliant. It keeps everybody on their toes, right? Ethereum may have become a bit complacent, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing Injective come along. You know, you're seeing Solana, you know, come along, right? All of a sudden, these new flavors of blockchains, which are providing innovative new solutions at faster transaction speeds and greater user experience, um, you're seeing... Bitcoin as well innovate right all of a sudden thanks to Taproot you now BRC twenties on there you have Ordinals so you've they've you've seen them innovate as well and the need to innovate to stay ahead of e- Ethereum and so all of this is 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 in essence uh, a great outcome for the consumer or the participant in the ecosystems across Bitcoin Ethereum um, uh, Injective Solana whatever you name it that's So, um, you know, everybody participating benefits, user experience gets better, transactions get faster, bridging happens. And so now you actually even have CCIP come in from Chainlink that doesn't even so you can actually interact or Layer Zero has their own technology. You can now interact, Axelar, you can interact and you don't even care what the blockchain is. It just automatically routes it, makes sure it recognizes you're on that chain, this chain. And so elements like that are going to be really important. I do believe that the developer community, the transaction volume, the liquidity on Ethereum is so diverse and so active. And it's it's a very strong community. And will that flippant Bitcoin? Um, you know, I don't know. Will, will it be flippant? I don't know, but today I just see that momentum is still very strong on the Ethereum chain. It's interesting you
0: mentioned Chainlink with the CCIP and earlier you talked about yeah. the of ownership. Yep. And you know, I don't wanna say how much that my money's been frozen by Celsius because I had to, I had to put it on Celsius. But yep. you know, I didn't really have that money In my possession, I had it on paper or not paper, but like, like out there. So I didn't really feel that loss. Like I felt like an opportunity cost was lost, but I didn't feel like I lost something that I owned. Right. So how do we get to the spot where people will have money on the blockchain and the crypto and feel that they own something tangible that they can relate to?
1: Um. I mean, I have that today, so I, you know, <laughs> you have that today, right? I mean, at the moment, oh, well, Celsius wouldn't be on the blockchain, but I'm sure you have assets in in a self custodial wallet. Uh, you have assets in a in a ledger. I have assets on my MetaMask. I have, you know, so I think everybody has a has a diversified portfolio of where they store their crypto and digital assets, and. You know, there are different ways to do that. Um, You know, and it's, it's self custody. Adds a level of freedom in my view, right? I mean, it's, it's a bit like, do I take public transport or do I take a car or do I have a motorbike or or whatever my instrument of transportation is? There are different preferences for different types of people and different abilities and accessibility for different types of people. And so I think it's going to be the same with your money. I'm happy with my money in a bank account. I don't want it anywhere else. I want somebody to have the custody for me. I want a great user experience on my mobile phone. So I'm happy to give it to Celsius, right? And unfortunately, you know, Celsius um, was a bad actor and and, and actually – didn't report accurately how they were using their money, right? And FTX was the same thing. They abused the system. And we've had that over and over again in the traditional finance as well. There will always be bad actors and there will always be good actors. The ones that are allowed longer have what we call the Lindy effect. So people start to begin to trust them because they've been around longer and multiple and more and more people start to trust them because they're accurate. And I think over time, You know, it's shown that the longer you've been around, the more trustworthy you can consider it. Um, As long as you stay within, people are still holding you accountable. And that's the brilliance about, you know, the blockchains and the dApps on the blockchains and the wallets across the blockchains. There is so much competition. There's so much alternative that there's an open source software which constantly holds everybody accountable in the ecosystems. I'm, it's transparent. I see where the money's going. Oh, why is the money leaving that? Some analyst, some individual will come in and look under the hood and raise a point associated with this. And you know that happens over and over again that the community keeps uh, if it's not my community, then another community will keep this existing technology accountable and the people working on that technology accountable. And we want to see more of that and busts will continue to happen as they do in the fiat world as well. It's just how quickly can we recover and what are the learnings from that bust so it doesn't happen again? The same bust. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You
0: had different busts in the past (laughs) seven years since I've been here, but um, yeah. Awesome. So thank you very much. And, and, um, I want to thank you very much for your time today. I really enjoyed speaking with you again. I hopefully that we can do this on a you know annual basis or so, um, or maybe sooner if you have more things coming out the, the, in the pipeline. So, um, so I want to thank you uh, very much. And I have one last question, and it's um, how can people find out more information about you, about trueflation, about what you do?
1: How can they do that? Yeah, please follow us on true go to trueflation.com, check out our website, see what and give us comments back. You know, in the best way to give us comments is through Twitter and Telegram and Discord. Trueflation, those are the channels we interact with um, the users about. And if you want to set up a stream network, if you want to set up and be a data aggregator and you want to set up and be a node operator, there, are, there are, Go on the website, sign up, we'll work with you and, and we'll try to help you get this off the ground. So yeah, we're pretty open. I myself am S srust99 on, tele, on Twitter. That's the best way to follow me. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Jamil. Always good and keep up the good work that you're doing. Thank you for having me again.